Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very close friend from the YPO, a very, very accomplished professional from the Middle East, Mr. Ali Tabara. Ali, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashutosh. Good to be here with you. Thank you. Ali is the managing director of Saudi Medicare Company. He was earlier the managing director of UTC International Auditors and Consultants. And as I mentioned, he's a fellow YPO member. So Ali, let's start with your move. You know, you moved from a role in consulting for almost two decades to running hospitals and healthcare. Tell me about this transition from consulting to operations. What were your learnings and what were your challenges? So actually, um, if we want to go even more back in time, uh-huh. I've, I've jumped through so many, uh, 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 many careers in my life. Okay. O- almost all of them have been in family businesses and in, some, in, in many cases were operational roles. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, uh, uh, there, it wasn't much of a challenge uh, to move from a consulting uh, area to an operational area. Mm. Uh, so, so, so that was a, uh, another, uh, another operational role that I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So, so there wasn't much of a challenge transitioning uh, and I actually always enjoyed these, these uh, uh, to say always enjoyed kind of stretch. But when, when I have a new role and responsibility, I enjoyed the learning that comes mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And what, what have been some of your learnings uh, in this incredible world of healthcare? The, the, I mean, there's so much, so much to speak about. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have enough time to cover everything. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, but in a way, there is, there is a similarity uh, between what I did uh, when I was in audit tax and consulting, mm-hmm. which is we are servicing our clients who are corporates. Mm-hmm. So you have to give them good service uh, uh, regularly, always take care of your clients. Healthcare is pretty much the same thing, but they're individuals. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with their health, which is a much a higher uh, uh, level of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, care. You, know? you cannot make a mistake here. And mm. uh, in, in the other setting, okay, you can make a mistake on a typo, on getting uh, numbers wrong on the financial, and you can mm. fix it. Here, mistakes are not tolerable. No, no, no room or, for error. Exactly, not tolerated or tolerable. Mm. So the higher uh, higher uh, uh, level of care which actually goes very well with my ethos of doing business. Always go for the best and, and do, do, you know, you and the team should do the best for your clients. And, uh, you know, one more question before I move to Saudi Medicare, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, well, specifically in, uh, in healthcare, the, the, well, when you're dealing in business, the the uh, and you're a businessman the conversation can always you know you and i can talk business all the time and mm-hmm. we have the same set of uh, experiences and knowledge when it comes to running a regular business mm. when it comes to healthcare, there are areas in, on the medical side that you know as a non-medical professional i wouldn't know so there is that uh, the the, uh, the the learning the learning curve is, is a bit longer in that sense. And, and in a way, 
you need to sort of hold your horses and, and be patient before you open your mouth and, and make a decision or give an opinion mm-hmm. until you get that familiar with it to uh, the medical terms, mm. right? When the doctor says, oh, we're going to do a laparoscopic, we need someone with a laparoscopic experience. Okay, let me uh, quickly uh, Google laparoscopic, well, uh, the, the lingo. Very well said, very well said. So, yes, uh, Ali, let's talk about uh, Saudi Medicare company. Tell me a little bit about the venture and your businesses. Well, Saudi Medicare uh, is a holding company. It started back in the 80s by a large Saudi conglomerate. Mm -hmm. And um, the the business back in the 80s, 90s to early 2000s was uh, managing hospitals in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically government hospitals that outsourced the management and the setup. Mm-hmm. Along the lines, the company grew and acquired a, a UK hospital management company called UME, uh, United Medical Enterprises. And so it went from a regional player to a global player covering almost 22 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last so let's say uh, 15, 15 years or so, uh, that outsourcing business uh, or the government decided, uh, or ministries of health decided to take that in-house. Mm-hmm. So that side of the business uh, um, basically uh, was, uh, you know, closed down. And what uh, what transpired is that the group now has uh, operates and owns its own facilities in four countries, mm-hmm. starting from the Middle East. So we have Oman, have a hospital where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Dubai, we have a, a polyclinic. In Saudi, we have radiology, and we also have a shareholding, uh, a substantial shareholding uh, in Kingdom Hospital. And in the UK, we have uh, a, clinics in, uh, a clinic in Harley Street, and also a, a JV in, uh, in the country in Coventry. And the uh, in most of the well in everywhere uh, our focus has been on radiology MRI 3T MRIs uh, uh, CT PET CT radiology is a big component of our business in in in, uh, in those countries uh, and we keep ex- now looking to expand into uh, uh, more countries or even expanding within the countries that we operate mm-hmm. and being strategic about it fascinating. So my next question to you is that, you know, Muscat or Oman, uh, UAE, Saudi, uh, the UK, how do you manage across so many different countries and also so many different cultures? Uh, Great question. Basically, uh, it's effectively running four different companies. Correct. In, in, in four different uh, economies. That's, that's the, the, the quickest way to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike, you know, uh, I guess operating, a, I don't know, a different type of uh, industry mm-hmm. uh, where you're selling a product or something. Mm-hmm. In uh, operating in healthcare, each country has its specific norms, regulations, uh, uh, way of conducting business. Mm. The way the UK business model works has nothing to do with the way uh, it works 
here in, in Oman. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, you asked me about the learning, I am now a subject matter expert about HR rules in those four countries, you know? <laughs> about uh, uh, doctor's compensation, about third party payers, about insurance. So each country is unique, Correct. each country is different, and, and uh, you know, the, the skill set, uh, uh, in diff you require a different type of skill set mm. in each one of those countries. Mm. So um, the, the synergies exist on, on some level, which, you know, uh, you know on, on the clinical side, yes, you can have some UK doctors giving an opinion on, uh, in Oman uh, or vice versa a bit of advisory stuff, mm -hmm. but on the core, it's really operating for different uh, uh, companies mm -hmm. in four different countries. Fascinating. Because, you know, healthcare is a subject, which based on my own experience, is very different in every country. Every Ministry of Health has their own views and their own rules. And you're exactly. operating in four of them. So, yeah. And, and I think every now, uh, everybody now in the world mm -hmm. can see that because of the response to COVID, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, every country uh, and sometimes within the country have different rules uh, for their citizens, whatever, right? So yeah. we've seen that live in, 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 we're still living it as we speak, right? So yeah, it is completely, uh, uh, everyone is unique and, and in a way, uh, uh, you know, um, makes for a lot of interesting learnings. Fascinating. So that's, a, you know, uh, your last response is a, is a segue to my next question, which is on COVID. Mm. You know, on the one side, the COVID has impacted the whole world. But on the other side, all of you, the healthcare workers have been at the front line. How has this impacted you, your colleagues, and what have been your learnings and challenges? Um, well, I can tell you, uh, because we operate in four countries with different practices in each one, the impact has been different. Mm -hmm. So the UK, for example, uh, we operate a polyclinic focusing cardiology, orthopedic, and mm -hmm. imaging. Uh, when the lockdowns happened in the UK, people did not, uh, these were all elective, mostly elective other than cardiac. So guess what? Uh, uh, patients stopped coming to the clinics, mm -hmm. business shrunk. Mm -hmm. uh, similar for Dubai, similar for Saudi, where we run radiology centers. Mm -hmm. uh, at the hospital, uh, you know, we, uh, business picked up in, in the, uh, we created a COVID ward, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. Um, but then, elective surgeries were banned mm. as in many other countries in the world. Right. So we had to manage uh, uh, according to the rules of the uh, uh, per country rules and also uh, uh, patient um, desires and, and fears because a lot of patients said, you know, we, early on in the days of COVID, we didn't know what, what we were dealing with. And a lot of people opted to, to, to err on the side of caution and mm -hmm. stayed home, and uh, understandably. So we had to manage through that. But, uh, you know, uh, in, in Oman, we converted an entire ward into a COVID ward. 
because we needed to create to create that separation between maternity uh, and, and cardiac, for example, which were these are critical areas. We could not these were not elective, which was our newest refurbished ward to a COVID ward just because it, this was the right thing to do for our team and our our patients. Very interesting because, you know, I was talking to some doctors in India and they were saying that on the one side, we had to be very conscious of managing COVID patients. On the other side, there were critical surgeries coming up as well, which were non-COVID. So how are you balancing this mix? Because you can't tell a critical surgery that, listen, my COVID is more important or vice versa. Oh, I have to give, I have to give a lot of credit to our doctors and nurses. Mm. The number of hours that they have spent um, and and really uh, you know COVID patients um, you know they, they need nonstop attention right so and 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 then God forbid and it did happen uh, uh, we had COVID uh, some of our workers uh, had COVID they had to isolate people around them had to isolate mm-hmm. so we had some sleepless many sleepless nights. Uh, uh, at the hospital dealing with this situation. And I give a lot of credit for the team here that managed through this very, very difficult time. Uh, thank God it's now behind us. Uh, we hope it never comes back again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, uh, but we, it, it, was a cha- it was very challenging, but we managed through it. Uh, we didn't turn away anyone that needed something, uh, needed medical treatment. And I give all the credit to the team. Fantastic. So I've got one more question before I move to the next segment. And this is about a conflict that is going on between owners and doctors in, in, in India, particularly. I don't know if it's the same uh, in, in your markets. Owners are investing huge sums of money in healthcare, um, And therefore, they have to get returns. Doctors uh, have to treat patients. And therefore, there is this constant conflict on, should I get more tests done? Should I get less tests done? And so on and so forth. I just want your views on something like this. I can understand that point of view, certainly. However, um, in our case, there's absolutely no conflict. Okay. Um, actually, um, you know, uh, my own philosophy and that of the ownership of, mm-hmm. of this group is that patient comes first. Okay. And, and, and we will not spare uh, uh, um, a penny mm. in order to provide the best level of care for the patient. Mm. Give you an example. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, we wanted, needed to buy a new uh, MRI machine. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, basically 1.2 or 3. Mm-hmm. Okay, and three being the high-end one. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there is a substantial price differential between the two. Um, the, our ownership decided to go for the three Tesla and not the 1.2 to be the only hospital, the only private hospital in Oman to own a three Tesla. Wow. So, so in, in, in this case, we, we, uh, we, we really put a priority on the patient and, 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 uh, uh, we believe by doing that and providing the best level of care in the market, that will set us apart from mm. any other outfit. One, it makes us feel good 
about us, about what we are doing, that you know, we're, we're doing what is right. We would expect that level of service when I, if we go to that hospital. Mm. Uh, and two, when you do that, then it becomes uh, uh, a, a, a uh, you know, the, 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 the consequence of that is positive. People, you know, people will like the hospital. They will like the, 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 the services that uh, you offer. And, at this, and then business will come. So actually, by investing and being, you know, not being a, a penny-wise pound foolish, right? Mm-hmm. Invest, look after your patients, give them the best level of, of care, get the right equipment for your doctors. Mm-hmm. What's the point if I have a top-notch doctor and I give him equipment that is 15 years old or 10 years old? There's, you know, uh, he's only as good as 10 years ago, right? Yeah, so do what you would do uh, as a best practice, and then business will take care of itself. Very good, very good. So my next question to you is that for someone who's running four different companies in four different countries, what is your leadership style? <laughs> I'm a very good Zoom talker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and yet flying well, all over the world now. Well, it used to be flying around, but then uh, with COVID hitting, we had to do a lot. Had to, there was no other way to do it but uh, through Zoom. Correct. And and um, and and uh, you know we managed through that, uh, but not, really my management style, uh, it's it's you know good being a good listener. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you know you have to be a good listener. Mm. Two. You have to be a, a, you know, a motivator. Mm. I want to motivate people, especially when I was on a Zoom call. I have to do a lot of motivation Correct. on Zoom, right? Correct. You know, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, empowering the team that you have, right? Mm. At the end of the day, I'm not doing the surgery. I'm not taking care of the patient. I'm only leading a team, and I'm counting on them to deliver that level of service. Mm. So, so a, a lot of that. I'm also a cheerleader, okay? I, I really, nothing gives me more pleasure than... To, to commend uh, our team uh, uh, and our people on the achievements they've done, you mm-hmm. know, because if they do a good job, I look good. So hey, it's all it's all win-win, right? And so I am a cheerleader for 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 my team. Uh, also, um, decisive, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't think uh, an organization can be led by uh, by someone who's not not so decisive. Is always second guessing him or herself. So uh, uh, decisive, is, I think. Uh, and, uh, and and I think very uh, important keeping uh, keeping your word. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's key. Uh, and and uh, people can count on you if you say I'm going to do something. I'm going to you know, and then keeping the word. This is really I think uh, one of my key traits. Wonderful. So now I'm going to move to the last segment of our conversation. All our viewers and listeners love to get to know my guest a little better. So I'm going to first start with YPO. You know, you and I are both members for a long time of YPO, an organization that we love. Uh, And I've seen you giving back a lot to YPO. So my question to you is, what makes you give back so much to the organization? Um, You know, uh, the way I've felt about this organization, the more the more I've invested my time and energy, I've been rewarded in multiples. Mm. Getting to know you, for example, how else 
would we have met hasn't if it wasn't for YPO <laughs> and 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 being in leadership roles on a, on a regional and an international level just expanded uh, uh, this this connection and this network uh, uh, so profoundly and it has actually been also um, you know whenever I had any question or any any request for a service the YPO network was there mm. so uh, really it's been so rewarding. And uh, on a personal level, I've learned so much from people, uh, from fellow members around the world. And it's just, uh, you know, it's like the gym. Someone, uh, a YPO mentioned, I don't remember who is it. It feels like a gym. The more time you spend in the gym, the better you the are. The better you I agree with you completely. And, you know, you said yeah. getting told me, me, I say the feeling is mutual. I mean, without YPO, I would never have had a chance to meet you. So I agree with you completely. So I've got time for three more questions and I'm trying to decide what to ask you. But let me ask you a little philosophical question for someone who's been, as you said, in so many different businesses in your life. From where you stand today, what does success mean to Ali? Uh, I think success to me is doing something that others have not been able to accomplish. Mm -hmm is success to me is when someone says, oh, this cannot be done. Mm -hmm. And I find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, all success to me is to see people able to achieve something that they, th they thought they couldn't achieve. Okay. I'm able to mentor or coach someone and see that look of satisfaction in their face. Mm -hmm. That to me is success. Fascinating. And a follow-up question to success is who or what inspires you? Hmm. Uh, there isn't a who. It's, it's re really, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just an optimistic person. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, self, I don't know, just self-motivation mm -hmm. to, 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 to do good, to do better, uh, to you know, in, in life and in business, there's always these regular challenges that come our way. And it, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, just achieving things that others were not necessarily able to achieve, didn't want to commit the time to it or the energy. I, I find that something that I, I like to do. Maybe, you know, I guess as YPO, we're all problem solvers, aren't we? Absolutely. So, so this, this, is, this goes along the same line. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. So I've got, uh, I'm going to ask you two more questions. My okay. next question is the question on failure. And I've often said, I've got a new book that's come out on failure also. I've often said that parents in South Asia, probably in the Middle East as well, don't teach children it's okay to fail. We're always told, come first, go to the head of the line, etc., etc. Yet we learn when we fail. My question to you is, what have been your learnings from your mistakes? Well, there's been a good share of mistakes. So that's, that's how we learn, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and really, the, the, the biggest one for me is uh, never to guarantee anything unless you have control of all the various aspects. Mm. Um, you know, if you're going to promise something, make sure you have you are in a position to deliver on that promise. If it's something not related to you and you cannot really control, 
then all of a sudden you're putting your name, your credibility, and, and everything you've worked for to establish in, in, in a variable that is out of your control. So really it's about guaranteeing something, uh, putting your name to something where you don't have all the variables under your control. Fascinating. This is Fascinating. And my last question to you, and Ali, this is for the many, many young people who will listen to our conversation. What would your advice be to a young manager who's starting off on her or his journey in the corporate world? Mm. So uh, I say this to my kids who are, you know, now in that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they are in the workforce and they're in the late 20s. So along the same lines, like invest the time required to be a subject matter expert okay. in your area. Mm -hmm. in, in, in know the little details about what you're supposed to do. Mm. Don't be superficial. Don't know a little bit about it. Dig deep. Get to know your area that you know, you're doing and just own it. Wonderful. Ali, thank you so much. It's been such a privilege speaking to you. Thank you for talking about your journey, about all your learnings in healthcare, about what you've got from YPO and about your incredible advice to thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Thank you again and good luck. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.